If you will, open up your Bible to Hebrews, the 11th chapter, and we are going to get into the Word of God. Last week we shared on getting results. Anybody remember that? And there were some good truths in there because sometimes people don't get results because they tweak the Word of God to fit themselves. And in tweaking the Word of God to fit themselves, we saw that they made God's Word non-effective. They didn't get the results that Jesus wanted them to get. And so we're going to talk more about getting results and here's an interesting thought about getting results. As Christians, I think it's almost like, why should we even talk about this? This should be so natural that Christianity would produce results. That why even teach about this? But we do see in the Bible much is given to this because uh, young Christians, old Christians, different churches got results, then didn't get results, and there were reasons why people got results. Individuals did, and some individuals didn't, and it wasn't because God liked one person more than the other. You with me? And it wasn't because God said, no, I'm not going to do that for you, but I'm going to do it for them. It didn't have to do with that. But often we say, uh, you know, things, we, we get uh, catchy phrases, you know, God says wait a while, or, you know, you know, God's just setting you up for something better when it fell apart, when it may have fallen apart because we did stuff wrong, not because God was trying to set you up for better. You with me? And, and people teach like that, but it's unscriptural and it doesn't help because what happens is we get wrong ideas and it's unscriptural. But if we can find out from the scripture how to get results then, and just follow that pattern, we'll find in our own lives where we've hit it or missed it, where to adjust, and how to start getting results. Because results are part of Christianity. Let me try that again over here. Results are part of Christianity. See, see how they did that? It's true. Results are part of our life, or should be. So if I'm not getting results, then why? It's a good question. And I believe the Bible has answers for all of those things. God wants results. Out of all things in the world, He wants His kids to not just have a uh, a religion, he wants things to be results-oriented where your Christianity brings results. Stuff happens. I mean, you actually pray and stuff happens. You get what I'm talking about? God wants that for you. He wants it for all believers. And so we're going to begin today here in Hebrews, the 11th chapter. We're going to go through and look at some different people that the Bible calls people who walked by faith. Everything in the Christian walk is to be based in faith. Faith, remember this, always comes through hearing truth. Or we know the truth that's in line with the Word of God, the Bible. 
So we're going to look at some of these people who got results. What did they do to get results? And you might be able to evaluate your life and go, oh, I need to do that, or I was doing that and getting results, and now I'm not, or oh, now I see why I am getting results. Because when I first got saved, it was a curious thing to me how I would see results and then others wouldn't, and uh, I would think, why don't they see things? Nobody has ever asked that question. Why don't why didn't everybody? And then if you hear all that's said, you can come to all kinds of conclusions. Right? And in this day and age, you can get on the internet and hear all kinds of stuff. Hebrews, the 11th chapter, we're going to begin reading in verse 7. This is the first guy that got results. By faith... By faith, Noah, being divinely warned. In other words, he had a relationship with God. One thing we're going to find out is that our relationship with God is key to our faith working or getting results. And I don't mean just a relationship. You with me? Because here's the thing. Anybody who's been married has a legal relationship. Would you agree? It's on paper. It's legally binding. I mean, there are rules to that thing. I mean, if you have kids together, and then the guy's like, I'm out of here. There are laws. Now he's going to have to pay. Why? Because it all came through that union, and then that little bundle of joy that came. Right? Now, you would understand this, that the two of them, if they split, even though they had a legal relationship, something was wrong with the vital side of it. You, you know what I mean by that? The, the intimacy side of it, the how one another interacted. Because if they were interacting and it was real good, they wouldn't go, I'm done with you. And they're like, well, I'm done with you. Right? But they had a legal relationship. And so you could look at different marriages and see legal, legal, legal relationships all over the place. But there's a difference in all of them. Wouldn't you agree? How they get along and how they communicate and how they work together so even legal relationships don't always equal the same vital relationship, how it's experienced. Would you agree? Some of you would? Okay. Well, as Christians, every Christian has a legal relationship. Legally, you have a relationship with the Lord. And that legal relationship... Uh, can be uh, walked in, experienced greater or lesser from one to another. Right? Every Christian could boldly say, I have a relationship with God. Not every Christian can boldly say, I have a, a vital fellowship with God where we interact and communicate with each other and He deals with me and it, there's a real depth to it. There, there's stuff all over the spectrum, right? As a matter of fact, even us as Christians, um, 
we know that our relationship with God is better than the relationship that the Old Testament people had with God. But even though our relationship with Him is better than theirs, that doesn't mean that we're experiencing the vital side better than they did. But it means the potential is there. That it could be better. You with me? And, and sometimes people that are having a tough time with their marriage uh, fellowship interaction will go get help. No, I'll figure this out, I'll figure this out, and it's still going downhill and they won't get help. We should realize this. We could use some help sometimes with our vital side of our relationship with God, and we'll find it in the Word. We'll find it by being in fellowship with other believers and in church, in a body that God has ordained. You with me? And then you can't just go, um, I don't know why I don't have it. Sometimes it's just people don't put in effort. You know, anybody who's married will tell you it takes effort. Now, when some people really like the same things and there's, you know, just different things, they seem to kind of move together, it becomes less seeming effort, but there's still some work in it. And if we try to receive the Lord and think there's no effort, I mean, I've seen people, they knew they were supposed to, uh, you know, just walk with God, spend time with God. They got busy in the affairs of life and just got busy doing other things. And then the vital side of their relationship with God suffered. Not from God's standpoint, meaning they're still married, so to speak, to him, joined to him, but it's not benefiting them like it should. You with me? You know, people can get married and, and, and then they're together, and then you've heard this term before, we just grew apart. No, they, they, they neglected the whole thing. And then you find people searching for other things. You know that exact same thing can happen in Christianity? Where we have a relationship with God, then we neglect that relationship with God, we don't re respond to His dealings, and then we start searching out other things too. And those other things will not do it. Thank you for your excitement. We're talking about getting results, right? And this is a fundamental part of the whole thing. And, he, and then if we neglect that and neglect his dealings and start going, well, I'm going to pursue this and I'm going to pursue that, it'll make our relationship, our fellowship, our interaction with him suffer because when you go back to him and we know we're not doing what we should, then we don't want to go back and talk to him because we're going to get dealt with. You know what I'm talking about? And if I don't want to change then that, that interaction gets tough. Not from his standpoint. He loves us. Remember, Adam and Eve, they went and hid. God's like, hey, I'm here. And they're like, we're hiding. Over, not over here. And we're not telling you. And he knew and he pursued them still. You with me? So we're going to talk about getting results. So the foundation of all results are going to come out of your relationship with God. Not the legal side only, but also the vital side of 
interaction. And when I say interaction, it's not just you praying to Him, it's Him, or you talking to Him, it's Him dealing with you. Okay? Hebrews 11.7 By faith, Noah, notice this, being divinely warned. So this is part of his relationship, part of his walk with God, part of who he was. He was walking with God, he talked with God, he fellowshiped with God, he interacted with God, and then God talked to him and warned him, dealt with him about something. Notice this, he warned, it was divinely, or by God, divinely warned, of things not yet seen. That's a huge thing when we talk about being dealt with by God because sometimes people will look around at the circumstances and go, well, why should I do this? There seems to be no need right now to make any kind of adjustment even though the Lord's dealing with me because it all looks good. You with me? And so... He, being divinely warned of things not seen, moved with godly fear. Or literally, he obeyed because he highly respected God. Even though the pressure of life was not on, like, whoa, I see clouds coming, uh, there's going to be a storm, I need to make a change. So notice what he said. He moved with godly fear. That was his attitude. He respected God. And he prepared an ark for the saving of his household. Think of it. His obedience affected the people around him. By which he condemned the world. In other words, the world passed away. And he became the heir of right standing, which is according to faith. Now you think about this. Here is an interesting thought about his obedience. His obedience was not just he was warned and just go, okay, I need to do this one time. This was a lifelong obedience. A lifelong attitude of respect. He didn't just give this a shot and go, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do this for a couple of months and see how this works out. And if it works out, I'm going to continue on. And if not, no, he just stayed with it when he didn't see anything and when everybody else was still doing their own thing. So we see here in this first example about getting results, eventually the storm came and the world suffered great loss, but this man, because he had been faithful through his life, it affected his home, and it affected him. I wonder sometimes if people realize that their obedience will affect their children and their family too. And so... We see here, and we'll notice this as we move on, that our relationship with God and people's relationship with God and, and Him dealing with people is a huge part of our getting results. You ready to move on? Hebrews 
the 11th chapter and the 8th verse. Now we're going to talk about Abraham, who is actually called our example of faith. Even all these people in this chapter are an example of faith. Abraham, we're commanded to follow his faith. Notice this about Abraham. Abraham got results. God was able to do wonderful things in Abraham's life throughout his whole life. But we're going to see some things. By faith, Abraham... He obeyed when he was called. You could say it's very similar to Noah. When he was called. Now some people think, oh, you mean like called to the ministry? No, he was called by God to do something. He, he wanted him to obey him. You know, you ever been called when you were little by your parents? Hey, come here, I want you to do something. You know, it wasn't maybe real glamorous, but here we go. And here it says... By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called. When he was called to go out to the place he would receive. So the first thing is, is he heard also. He was dealt with. Then he responded to those dealings. And he went out and he was supposed to receive as an inheritance. And he went out. So he obeyed what God dealt with him about. And he was not knowing where he was going. He, you could say it like this, even though God dealt with him, he didn't know all the details. You ever been dealt with by God and he doesn't deal with you about all the details? Uh, he, I think parents are, can be like God in some sense. We should have enough sense. You know, like parents are like, we want you to do this. And then kids are like, well, Why? Like, I need a lot of reasons, and I need some understanding. And then parents just go like this, just because. They see the bigger picture, and they're not going to just sit down and tell you. And sometimes, God will not tell you the big picture, but He'll tell you what you need to do. And that's faith to act. And He did that with Abraham. He said, I need you to go out. Well, exactly where? How's this going to work out? He was directed and he obeyed. And what was in the future of his obedience? An inheritance. Results. And so it says in verse 9, By faith he dwelt in the land of promise, as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs, with him of the same promise. Notice verse 10. And he waited for the city who has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Here's an interesting point about obeying God. This is super important. He waited for the right thing. He didn't just settle and go, I've been obeying, I'm going to accept this. I'm going to do this. I'm tired of waiting. God had this great thing for him, and he didn't settle for second best. How often in life have people uh, settled for something else, and then they wondered why they didn't get the results that they wanted or get the inheritance they wanted because they didn't continue on doing exactly what the Lord said. They said, yeah, he said go here. He said do this but I don't have the results 
I'm just going to get this. You with me? How many people have put uh, something into their hand? They grabbed something and said, oh, I'm going to take this. And this is not what God wanted you to have. And they take it and, and they, they have it now. You realize if, a, if my hands are full with this, when the real thing does come, your hands are already full of something else. I've seen that with people who were waiting, you know, on a spouse or something, waiting for somebody to come along, and they just said, you know what, I've had enough of this waiting, and then they fill their life with somebody else, and they know that that somebody else is not even the right person. They don't meet the qualifications, and then if God did send the right person, their hands are full here. You could say that in any area. You could say, you know, if God ever dealt with you, hey, why don't you turn off the TV for a little bit? Uh, and, and he won't always tell you, I want to get you some revelation that will just radically revolutionize your life. You say, what's revelation? Stuff revealed out of the Word. Instead, we just go, I'm just going to keep watching this. Well, then my hands are full of that. I don't have space for my hands to take something else. You with me? I've seen it like this, where people say, God, I just need some real Christian friends. And God says, well, give up those people. And they're like, well, I can't do that. Well, then you have your hands full of something else. If somebody else comes, you're not going to have your hands available to take the new thing. And understand this, in all those areas, other things are being added that are not appropriate to our life. Just a side thought. Everybody okay? So here we see that he waited for the city which has foundations whose builder and maker is God. So what does it say? He was basically saying, I'm going to wait to get the thing God has designed for me to walk in. Not just me wait for a while and then walk in something God has not designed. Because we don't want to walk in things God has not designed. But people do do it. And you think, oh, don't do that. That, that won't turn out well. But thank God we can make adjustments. Amen? Hebrews, the 11th chapter, let's jump down to the 17th verse. We'll look at Abraham again. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested... Now, who tested Abraham? Do you know God tested Abraham? Notice what it doesn't say. It doesn't say God tempted Abraham. James says God does not tempt us with evil. If we're tempted and evil is coming against us, don't think, I wonder if God is sending this to me. No, no, no. That's coming from the enemy. You resist that. God does not tempt or you with evil he does not tempt you with evil but god will test you god will test all of us at times and i know this you ever remember in school when you had um what do they call those you know like a an exam of the 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 secret ones pop quiz yeah, all of a sudden, 
they come in there, we're doing a pop quiz. Man, if I would have only known, I would have prepared. You know how they used to do those? I mean, they're preparing you for life with God, whether you know it or not. You with me? A pop quiz. That, we get those as Christians. And they don't always come when we want them. But what they do is, remember, we're talking about getting results. They are for your benefit. But God will test you. Why? Because God is in the business of wanting to have certain things multiply and increase in your life. So there will be times that tests will come. Tests. You know, I don't, we don't see these. Maybe they do on TV. I haven't watched TV in a long time. But when we were younger, you, we would, you know, uh, all of a sudden your TV would go into test mode and it said, this is only a test, you know, of the emergency broadcast system. And you think, man, I'm watching my program, and you're, you're throwing up this test, and now I can't watch it. But that's how it'll be with God. It'll be right in the middle of your program. He'll throw out a test. And it's not a math test. It's not a punctuation, you know, where you're like, oh, I'll tell you what, their grammar is horrible. I could, I'll be good at this. It's not that. He'll just deal with you about something. He's testing you. In the Old Testament, and what are we talking about? We're talking about getting results. In the Old Testament, King David said this, Test me, Lord. Test me. Try my heart. In other words, deal with me and see what's in me. See if I'll obey you or not. What's in my heart. And tests come to every Christian, when you're pushed the wrong way and the Lord deals with you, don't change. You go, you're telling me not to change? Yeah, and that's what he's saying. Or he doesn't tell you anything, but you go, because the last thing you said is the only thing you need to know. And if he doesn't say make that change, then you just don't make the change. You just stay steady. These are tests. And then he'll deal with us about stuff. And they're tests. For what? Why would he test? What, what, what's the point of a test? Increase, multiplication, blessings abounding in your life. Watch this. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. Now remember, God said, I want you to offer up your only son. And uh, that was a big test. I want you to do this for me. And now here's the thing. In, in the Bible, in, in the Old Testament, it shares a little bit more here about this story than we see here. Notice this. And he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son. In other words, he said, all right, I'll do it. And he didn't just say, all right, I'll do it. He started carrying it out. He started acting on this. Notice this. 
of whom it was said, in Isaac your seed shall be called. In other words, this child is going to have blessing come through it, but I'm asking you to, to offer him up. Verse 19, concluding, Abraham concluded that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, which he also received him in a figurative sense. Now, it tells us there that he was tested by God. What it doesn't tell us is part of the story that's written in the Old Testament that when he was tested and he obeyed the testing, he responded when it wasn't real comfortable, when it wasn't what he really wanted to do, but it was what he knew God wanted for him to do. When he did it, here's what happened. He followed through to the end. God said, stop, I see your heart. And he said, because now you did not refuse your son, your only son, then he starts pronouncing all these blessings that would now come upon him. How often do we know what to do? We just need to follow through. Because God will try our hearts and it's not always when we want it. Because you ever said, okay, God, I'll tell you what. You just deal with me. I'm going to do it. You ever been there? You missed it before? And you're like, all right, I'm going to do it. So you're like, all right, I'm going to do it. When the day passes and you're like, all right, I'm going to do it. After a while, you're like, yeah, I'm going to do whatever you deal with me to do. And then a couple days later, a few weeks later, you forgot. And you're just kind of doing your own thing. Then the Lord's like, hey, now do it. And you're like, what? Now your posture is not like, okay, here it is. Well, what's happening now, your heart is going to be tested. What are you going to do? I believe Abraham realized the value. He learned in some places where it wasn't good. At this point, he had already failed and caused an issue. He had already not endured when God gave a promise and he said, all right, I'll sleep with Hagar. He gets this other son who he shouldn't have had that's caused problems in his relationship. He's already done this. Now he's like, man, I messed up before. I can't do this anymore. It hurts. It's still hurting in the Middle East. But so he said, nah, nah, I'll do whatever. Now he did it out of a right heart. And so we can see if we want results, you've got to be obedient. And when God tests you, not tempts you, all of a sudden you just know something to do, then he's testing What's he doing? He's proving you. He's proving you. He's wanting to promote you. He's what he's wanting to do. And so what he's doing, he's giving you your test for promotion. 
You know, you ever, some jobs, if you ever notice, some jobs, they'll give you tests before they promote you to make sure you know. Why? Because he who is faithful in little will be faithful in much, the Bible said. He didn't say when you get more, then you'll automatically become faithful. So he'll test you at these levels, and then when you pass at this level, he's going to go, I can trust him with more. He's not going to take, instead of the two, he's totally messing up. He's faithful with the two. I'll give him four, and he'll be faithful with it. How do I know? He passed the test. He passed the test. And usually these tests are not always public where everybody gets to watch them. Because it would be easy if the Lord's like, deals with me right now, pray. And I'm like, well, they're all watching, then this will be good. Lord, I just pray to you right now in Jesus' name. And they're like, our pastor, he prays. Isn't that awesome? He's such an example. No, it goes to where I'm at home. That's where you're going to probably get tested. Or somewhere else when nobody else is around and all of a sudden you hear the bell. Ding! Class has started. I'm in a test. The test is for your benefit. We want results. God wants results. God wants to promote you. So He'll test you around co-workers. You name it. And then, it's like, man, if I pass the test, he who's faithful with little will be faithful with much, then he can go, I can give him more. I can trust him with more stuff. You with me? So Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who received the promises offered up his only begotten son. Now realize this, Abraham had a promise beyond for a bright future. And before he ever got to the bright future, the test came. But he already knew that God had intended to have these tremendous blessings in his life and that all men would be blessed through him. But he had to pass the test. He had the promises. He hadn't seen them fulfilled yet. But he's on his way, and in the middle he gets tested. Verse 18, of whom it is said, in Isaac your seed shall be called. So God's testing him long before, you know, when Isaac's young, and Isaac is supposed to produce this offspring. So his promise is out ahead, but there's a test on the way to getting there. Notice, concluding that God was able to raise him up, even from the dead. In other words, no matter what God asks me to do, whatever God deals with me to do, I'm going to do it. It's going to work out for His best, and it's going to help. And he said, concluding that God was able to raise him up, even from the dead, from which 
He also received him in a figurative sense. He just believed God would work the whole thing out as long as he obeyed. And God did. Ready to move on to the next one? Everybody okay? Verse 24. We're going to look at Moses, and this, I believe, is where we'll close. But, but we're talking about getting results, and we're seeing why people got results, what we can do to get results, how our Christianity should produce something. You with me? Hebrews eleven twenty four. 24. Notice, by faith, Moses. We all know Moses. When he was born, this is verse 23, he was hidden three months by his parents. Verse 24, by faith, Moses, when he became of age, he started to grow. It's time for him to make some decisions. He refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Now we understand Moses was raised in Pharaoh's courts, in Pharaoh's house. He had privilege that the other children did not have. Wow, I used a word that's real, whoa, privilege. A lot of that's a bunch of junk. Just let me throw that out there. You know, when they talk about white privilege and all that stuff and different privilege, I think, how stupid is this? It really is stupid. Oh, you, you got privilege because you're this and this. And, and they don't realize how you were raised. They don't. They don't. They think, well, you got privilege. Yeah, my mom went and bought fabric to sew the shirts we wore. We didn't get to buy shirts. We sewed them all. If you wanted something, you went and did somebody's yard work. You got a paper out. You would go volunteer somewhere and hopefully get some money. I wanted bike parts, went down to the bike shop. Could I help? Could I do something? Yeah, all the, the white privilege. I didn't have a pager. I didn't have any of that stuff. If we wanted to go somewhere, we didn't have multiple cars in our family. We had one. And if we wanted it repaired, the person that ran the house did the repairs. We didn't have an air conditioner in our house for years. There's much you could say. I didn't go to college on a scholarship. We didn't have that. If you wanted to go, you better start raising money or do something because otherwise you go get a career. You go figure this out. And they talk about people's privilege. They're fed lies. Thank you. Oh, they just get everything for free. We didn't get stuff for free. Man, I was working when I was 10, 11, 12 years old. Thank you. It, it, a lot of this stuff is just foolishness. And it really, it's divisive and it's hatred. Anybody want me to keep teaching? Or, or... <laughs> you know, they talk about everybody's privilege. You got this, you got that. And they're all telling you on their cell phone. Man, oh my, cell phone. One, we didn't have cell phones. If we had cell phones, 
nobody would have had them. Because we'd go get stuff, sell stuff to have some money to go do something. You with me? We didn't go, you didn't go to eat all the time like people do now and do all that stuff. Are you kidding? Thank you. Want money? Go get a paper out. What's a paper? Go do something. Mow a lawn, babysit. I don't want to. Well, then, don't, then you don't get it. Okay, then I want to. That's how the privilege we had. We had the privilege to work if we wanted it. And then if you want to go to college, you didn't get loans. You went to a community college if you couldn't afford it. Yeah, but that's not, you know, it's, the, it's not the right name. on the, They didn't care. You, you, if you want to go to college, then you go to a community college. That's how it is. Thank you. Verse 24. You might be tested right now to forgive me. I'd throw that out there. Verse 24. By faith, when Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. You could say it like this. He, died, he quit identifying with the world. He, he said, I'm going to start identifying with God. The, all kids have to come to this place. All adults need to come to this place. Uh, I'm going to need to identify with God. And it says, choosing rather, so this was a choice, to suffer affliction or hardness or hardships with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Now we're talking about getting results. One way to get results is sometimes the world will invite you and hold you dear if you live their way, but you go to go live God's way, they may not all like you. And so you're going to have to make the choice and realize there may be some suffering involved in it where people may make fun of you for serving the Lord God Almighty. And Moses chose this. Verse 26, esteeming the reproach of Christ. In other words, all the bad talk, all the down ways, you know, people would look at him wrong. He, he esteemed, he realized the reproach of Christ or being attacked for his faith in Christ had greater riches than the treasures in Egypt or in a sinful world. He recognized the payoff is too great i got to serve God. I've got to obey God. If I don't and I go live this way, they're not going to harass me for living that way. They're going to accept me. But it's going to cost me. And that's what he said. He said, the riches are greater if I go down this path than the treasures that are in Egypt. So notice there's treasures in both. Usually when people are tempted, or like a mouse is tempted in a mousetrap, the way the mousetrap works is you put some bait in there. I mean, you don't usually go get, you know, mice caught in a trap 
unless there's a piece of bait in there. He's saying here, there's treasure there. Don't be mistaken. Don't tell people there's nothing in the world. Oh, there's a lot in the world. But all the fish I've caught had hooks in the bait. All the mice I've caught either had poison in the bait or some kind of trap with the bait. You with me? Or something, you know those little sticky traps? I remember when I was in Bible school, I worked at a fancy restaurant. We had problems with mice. And so we had these potato carts you'd wheel to the table. And so I remember one time I saw a mouse get up and jump and get out on there. This is not in this state. It's another, another state. So I'm like, I'm going to get that dude. Because every time I'd walk back in the, the room for the, you know, the waiters and the bus boys, I'm like, he's there, and he'd jump and run and go. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to get him. So I took one of those sticky traps and put it there, and he avoided it, jumped onto the potato cart. I knew he's got to be back. I walked in there, and he ran, and he jumped right in it. He wasn't thinking. He's thinking, free food, free food. But there was a trap set. I wish I wouldn't have set the trap. I didn't know mice could squeal like a pig. So I'm, in the restaurant, I'm like, oh, I got him. Now what do I do? Get a tablecloth, throw it on that thing, stop. But he's caught. He's caught. He thought he was going to get a treasure. Some people think they get a treasure. I'm getting away with this. I'm getting away with this. I'm getting away with this. I'm not getting caught. I'm getting away with it. Esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to the reward. There was a greater reward. Some people don't realize there's stuff greater out there. A greater reward. By a greater reward. Verse 27, let's close here. By faith he forsook Egypt. He turned his back on those things. Not fearing the wrath of the king. For he endured as seeing him who is invisible. He knew there was a reward. If he kept his perspective right. Did the things he knew eventually he would start reaping good things. And we see Moses did. We see Abraham did. We see Noah did. But you can see it all started out of their relationship and there was an element of acting in different circumstances. I'll say this, God wants to promote people. He's not testing us to harm us He's trying to help us.